0: Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tales from Tolt. My name is Dwayne Davidson, your host. This is a program where we discuss the fascinating and rich history of that place we call the Sonoma Valley, basically from Monroe to North Bend. Welcome, folks. My uh, guest today, uh, my very special guest, is Nicole Cohn. Nicole, as you know, we're going to be doing a little bit of something different this uh, particular episode because this is a, a radio show dedicated about the history of uh, the Snoqualmie Valley. But Nicole is a genealogist, and so we're kind of going on a slightly different tack here this time. We're all about preserving history. A lot of people ask questions about how do I get started with genealogy or maybe they have dabbled in genealogy and they got frustrated and they uh or they just uh, need some help to uh, progress along and so I thought it'd be really cool uh, to do a, a show about genealogy and, and Nicole folks is one of the best and so I'm really really glad that she has uh agreed to be interviewed today. So Nicole, if you don't mind, would you tell the guests a little bit about yourself and about your credentials as genealogists?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on, by the way. This is really exciting. Um, I love talking about genealogy. I could talk about it all day. The great thing about genealogy is, as far as certifications and credentialing goes, it's read, write, and research. And you can do those first three things, then you can go from there. So my background, is my degree from university is English literature, which is read, write and research with um, a huge love of history, right? So with that foundation, and even if you don't have that, uh, you, you go from there, even if you're just a history buff and you start adding classes and you start Uh, accumulating knowledge. And eventually it's like, well, what do you do? And there's nothing else to describe you other than a genealogist. Now, beyond that, there is something called a certified genealogist or ACG. And in the United States, there's only about 200 of them right now. That's where I'm headed. That's my goal. It takes a couple of years to get there and a lot of classes. And then the board for certification of genealogists give you that title and, and you go, you go with that. The other group you can join that, um, that kind of lends to the profession and the quality is, uh, the association of professional genealogists for which there is a chapter in Puget Sound. We're really lucky that it's right in our neighborhood. There's, I think there's only 13 or 14. Oh, don't quote me on that. Um, in the United States, but they're a great resource as well. And if you can recite genealogy standards um, from the Board of Certification of Genealogists backwards and forwards, you're pretty much good to go. (laughs)
0: Well, that's pretty fascinating. And yes, genealogy can be such a fascinating endeavor. I've been dabbling in it for decades now. One of the things I need help with is when I get really started, and maybe you can help me with this, What do you do to gauge yourself? Because sometimes I'll get so wrapped up and so involved with it that it because there's some sleuthing going on here. There's some something and you find things like a detective and it's addictive in nature. And the next thing you know, you're depriving yourself of sleep. Yes. And then you almost have to just like (laughs) sway yourself off of it for a few months to get right again. And then you start dabbling in it again. You want to have you ever experienced anything like that?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dog with a bone. And, and that's when the world drops away. And then I'm, I'm in it. And I'm, I've got 20 tabs open on my computer. And I'm, you know, I've got notes going on. And it, it's just starting to look like a mess in here. And, you know, my husband's nudging me like, don't you need to eat, you know, and <laughs> those are the good moments. Those are the great moments I, I love being fully absorbed in the ge- what we call genealogical problems. So each little mystery is a genealogical problem and using the scientific method to solve that problem really does it grabs you and it will wake you up in the middle of the night there were nights i would just toss and turn constantly thinking okay so if they died in massachusetts in 1926 that means that they were born in 19 and it doesn't stop um so no there is no real gauge to it i mean unless you want to like put down a genealogical problem because you know you realize you're going in circles with it and to take a Bit of a break and maybe go poke your nose in a different genealogical problem, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, there's no hope. Once the bug gets you, that's it. <laughs> you're on, you're off on your own your own thing. I I feel whenever I'm restless, I I will try and pick up a problem and poke at it and see if I can't get it to to give way. There's some that you will come back to. I think you were telling me earlier before we started. The recording about, you know, you had that relative um, that was like what, 20 years, you said, before you found her? But it took, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's its own genealogical problem. And sometimes they do need to age and more information needs to be added um, before it will yield and you will come to the conclusion.
0: I found that in some families, kind of getting into the details of genealogy research, but I found sometimes that if you run it to a brick wall on one particular individual, then working on one of their siblings or something like that will then sometimes reveal what happened to them. Yep. And following them. Working around that wall.
1: Yes, exactly. Finding the family system. So you've got, you know, sibling A over here and sibling D over here. And you want to know about A, but D led a much more prominent life and was a male. And so you might be able to use that, that person that was maybe documented more to get to, the other sibling or the other family member that maybe wasn't as documented. So no, I completely know it, what you're saying. It becomes the spider's web. Um, it's wonderful.
0: It's simply amazing to me, the variants and families too. In my own family, the different branches, there are some, quite frankly, that had a little bit more money than others. Mm-hmm. And they did a better job about photographs, uh, taking photographs. They were a lot more photographs a lot more family photographs they tend to be labeled more there tend to be a, a, a well-documented family bible that's going to be able to be produced and quite often people in the past uh i, I think that this is one of the tragedies uh, that we've experienced is journals and diaries it used to be very popular amongst yeah. uh previous generations i know i've journaled myself for a number of years now my grandfather journaled but sometimes you run across one of these gems that you actually get a journal, but of course not all the families were able to do that. And so um, uh, there's lots of variance in, into each family on the kind of resources that are gonna be made available for, for you, is that true?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's, um, you know, in, in my own family, there, I guess, was a family Bible. I would love to get my hands on it. <laughs> I don't know who <laughs> has it, I don't know where it went. Um, I, If ever I come across one in like a secondhand store, sometimes you find them and you're like, oh, I wanna get this back to the, the family that it belongs to. Documents get scattered. Sometimes you've got great aunt so-and-so and she was the family genealogist and she had all this wonderful information but she had no heirs. And so she gives it to a niece who doesn't really care and it gets neglected. And before you know it, it's what's this old box of paperwork. I don't know these people and it gets thrown out. So sometimes you get lucky and sometimes stuff just disappears.
0: Um, well, well, let's let's start with uh, square one. Let's say that, uh, uh, first of all, a lot of families are fortunate that they have uh, somebody in their family, uh, such as us, that will really take on this role. And some people think it's more important to just act as support. And that's good to that person that has self-designated themselves as a genealogist of the family. But there's a lot of families that this isn't happening uh, and and there, once information is lost, sometimes it's really, really hard to retrieve, Some, especially when it comes to stories and things. So I encourage all the listeners that might be listening to this program that if there isn't that genealogist in your family or if that information is lacking, Please consider this to be one of your possible pastimes for the future, because it is going to be so rewarding for you to be able to pass all this legacy onto your uh, children and people, uh, future generations, uh, because once it's lost, you learn this when you do oral history uh, research and oral history recordings of people that played a major part in some kind of a prominent society or event or something like that that once they pass away, there's no longer time to interview those people. And so there is an urgency here, isn't there?
1: Oh, there is. And, and getting a hold of old letters um, can be so helpful and getting those scanned and then on to either, uh, it, well, any cloud-based, any web-based um, family tree system like ancestry.com, like you get that up there. Uh, prime example, I had this old photograph of a two times great uncle. And ha- there was a cousin out there I didn't know about, and it was her great grandfather and she'd never seen a photo of him. I ended up with the picture on a fluke, but I was able to put it online and she was able to find it. So you never know what information somebody's hiding in their basement that you need or information that's hiding in your basement that they need. So if you can get it online uh, and make it accessible to others, it'll be there. Uh, for them to, to pick up and find, but label, label, label and cite, cite, cite your work so that it's accurate when it goes up.
0: So what, what uh, uh, you're kind of laying it into it by properly labeling things, but what should be considered to be the very first step for a person that hasn't done genealogy research and would like to do, do- genealogy research and documentation? What would be step number one?
1: Well, step one, so the the easiest way to to start, and the way that I started years ago was very simply an Ancestry.com membership, right? Start with my details, my vitals, my parents' vitals, my grandparents' vitals, and that's mostly what people can come up with. Sometimes they know the birth and death dates of their grandparents, but more often they don't know it off the top of their head. So you start with your family group, and then you work your way up. And as you go you're going to get confused you're going to see the little shaky leaf and you don't want to be a shaky leaf genealogist because that means just accepting the work of somebody else, because it's all connected right it's like social like social media on there. And you don't want to just accept any shaky leaf as truth, right? Because that other person could be wrong. So as you go up and you're like, well, I know, say, for example, my grandfather was born in Arkansas, but I don't know if he died in Arkansas or Oklahoma. Well, you can prove that with a death certificate. You can prove that with a social security index, an obituary, go find those instead of going off of somebody else, right? So you start with that. And as you run into a wall and you're like, gosh, I don't understand this check out YouTube, check out um, ancestry.com has a Facebook page with, um, oh, what's her name? Is it Clarissa? She goes by the Barefoot Genealogist and she does these wonderful like little YouTube videos. And you can search like, hey, I don't understand. How do I get a death certificate out of the state of Oklahoma? Or how do I use the census record? Or what do I do if I can't read the census record? Google it, find the YouTube video, or find a book that will lay it out for you. I know years ago, Ancestry.com did their own how to use it book. I've already mentioned genealogy standards. That one's a little bit thicker. Um, Well, actually it's very thin, but thicker in terms of content, but you can find like the researcher's guide to American genealogy. That's going to show you what genealogy was before it went on the web. So each little problem that you get, consider the stepping stone. You're not gonna have your whole tree blown out and done in a week that's it's a long-term project it's something you'll come back to again and again and again but start out with a question start out with I don't know what happened to great aunt so-and-so okay we'll build a tree and find a family system around great aunt so-and-so and see if you can track that down and when you really really get stuck there's Facebook groups uh for you know that are there to help you with armchair genealogists and people like me who sit at home and they get bored and they're like well I'll pick up a a genealogy problem from this Facebook site, see if I can help somebody um, and go there. And then if you really, really get stuck and you need someone to help you with a brick wall so you can continue your research, hire a genealogist to do that one thing. They're not gonna do your whole tree unless you pay them to do it, but you can go to them and be like, I need help doing this, or I need document retrieval in say Texas, and I'm not gonna to fly to Texas to go get one document. You can pay a genealogist to go do that for you. And then they give you a report and then you can continue on your way. It's like learning at any other hobby. You start small, you get small victories, you build on those, you ask for help when you need it, you find education where you can. A great part of the pandemic, if I can say that, was we had all of these conferences online. So instead of spending three grand to go to Richmond, Virginia, for seven days of conferences and pay for hotel and food and incidentals, it was go online, take the classes via Zoom, get the syllabus, do the reading all from home. It was amazing. It was like fish in a barrel. I did so many online courses in this last year and a half. So much is available online and the response and the feedback from people have been excellent. So hopefully going forward, they'll keep a lot of them available on the internet. Stuff like RootsWeb, National Genealogical Society. They're amazing. Um, let's see who else, Association of Professional Genealogists has done some amazing continuing ed work. Um, let's see, where are the others that I did? Jewish Gen, Irish Genealogy, Straight Out of Ireland. The only one I haven't seen online yet is Strathguide from Scotland up out in uh, Edinburgh. And I, I hope they do one one day. I think that would be amazing. But so many have been available online. And of course, if you really, really wanna learn more, Boston University has a, I think it's a two or one year or two year program where it's like going back to college for it. And that is all online. So there's a lot you can learn. Um, it's it's really, you'll never learn all of it. It's always evolving. There's so much. Even family search their wiki, like, hey, how do I find, you know, Chilean genealogical records? Are they even available? Like Family Search Wiki will tell you. They have it. Thanks mm. so much. So wow. you know, there's there's, I mean, there's for days, for years, <laughs> information for days and anything you, you want to learn, but yeah, start small, start with small victories and build on those and and find out where you can, don't guess, don't be like, well, the shaky leaf thing, and before you know it, you've got 17 generations going back, but none of them have citations.
0: Right, um, right. You
1: don't, don't want to go down the money hole.
0: I want to talk about a little bit about uh, accuracy and problems of, of that sort when we come back from the break. So we're going to break for just a couple of minutes. And when we come back, we'll continue our talk with Nicole about uh, genealogy. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Northwest eclectic music. Hi. I'm Seth Shostak, and I'm an actual scientist, although I don't wear a white lab coat.
1: Maybe a straitjacket. I'm Molly Bentley. I'm a science journalist, and we are your hosts on Big Picture Science, bringing you the latest from the labs every week. So join us Thursdays at 6 p.m.
0: for the coolest in science and technology, Big Picture Science.
1: That's Thursdays at 6 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 FM.
0: Okay, welcome back folks. We're continuing to talk about genealogy. my special guest Nicole is uh, very passionate about genealogists. I'm so thrilled she agreed to do the program today. Nicole, you were talking about the shaking le- uh, the shaking leaf which was uh, which indicates a hint in one of the uh, genealogist software program that encourages you to look at some things that other people have compiled. And I just want to share that I have found this to be really, kind of frustrating to to some degree because there is so much shabby genealogy research out there and one of the problems is we just like humans we get lazy and we see someone's done all this work why do all this i'm much further ahead and i have paid dearly in and trying to fix messes that then I, i i it's um it's, it's really a real big problem in all genealogy uh, uh, databases and resources, except those that are official. And that's what you say, that when we got to try to get to a family Bible's official, a, uh, a, 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 a those kind of documents are official. What you're talking about is genealogy trees are just out there. that are totally unsighted whatsoever.
1: Right. And I'm so glad you brought the shaky leaf back so we can talk about that more. They, they're hints, right? And... Some of them are spot on. Sometimes you get a shaky leaf and it's their death record, that's amazing. But when you follow other people's trees, you do have to go with trepidation and curiosity. It might be right. They might be holding that family Bible, right? They might've gotten that information from there, but it's not cited. So you you have, you have to look at everything with a bit of a squint. This could be right, this could be wrong. Everything's a hint. So if you see something, And this has happened to me I see a little shaky leaf and they're saying that the ancestor is this person when I thought it was this person, you can contact them and be like, Hey, do you have any citation for this like, where did you come up with this name. You can also use don't just stick straight in one source you can use genealogy bank, you can do family search, you can um, go ahead and move on over to Oh, what's the other one. Uh, family tree DNA. There's other sources online, compare them all and treat every single one as a clue, not as an absolute until you're looking at a document, an official document, everything else is suspect. And that's even the family Bible because human beings, sometimes they're fibbers, big fibbers. Mm -hmm. They might record somebody in the Bible as being born to so-and-so and and -and so-and-so when really they were just somebody else's baby and they were like adopted, but not officially adopted. So not everybody's telling the truth. Dead people lie yeah. too. So you've, you've <laughs> got to be like, you've got to be super suspicious of people, but don't, don't disregard any shaky leaf. It could be the best clue. And it can lead you to interacting with another family member, a distant cousin or something. And they might have a story. They might have lore. They might have a letter that they found saying, oh, so-and-so's aunt was really her sister. You know, it. They they might have some really good juicy details, that they didn't cite for personal reasons or they just didn't do it because they didn't know about citations. There's a lot of people who do genealogy and they do great work and they're super passionate about it but they don't do citations. That's the difference between a hobbyist and a professional really is a professional is going to cite and source and then cite and source it again and verify their information and use a scientific method. Whereas a hobbyist is going to put it together and construct whatever they need to do. The chasm you step over when you go from hobbyist to professional is when you start citing and you have to take a deep breath and like amputate a large chunk of your tree right? And, or get your took handed to you by somebody that's like, oh, no, 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 that's wrong. And here's the proof. So once you start citing and sourcing, uh, you, you do jump a bit, but in terms of standards and, and criticism and critique of your own work and others, and, and that's where it is. So don't disregard the shaky leaves. They're super helpful, but don't trust them. Don't trust anything <laughs> until you see the official document and you can verify it.
0: Now we've talked a lot about uh, one of the programs uh, that's very popular out there. What they're huge is Ancestry. They do come with a fee. If someone just is at that point in their life right now that they want to try to get started, but they don't want to it, it invest that kind of money, what type of things could they do just on a shoestring?
1: So there's a lot. So Family Search is free, right? Um, as far as constructing a tree with them, however, you're not having your own personal tree. You're adding to the big tree, right? Right. Um, So that's a big one. Uh, There's people who are short on time and money and energy of it and they just want their tree or they want their genealogical question answered. It is far, it's a far better deal to just pay a genealogist to do it than try and figure it out themselves because they're going to spend more hours and time is money trying to figure that question out as opposed to just a quick hundred bucks to this other genealogist to say figure out who my great-grandfather was and be done with it. So that's one way to do it. Um, another option is to do something like Family Tree Maker. That's a software that you put on your computer. It's like 80 bucks uh, retail, but I they have sales and you can get it for like half off. Um, and you can add, you could use that and start adding documents to that as well. The thing about genealogy is eventually you will pay somebody for a document and eventually you will throw a credit card down and say, I don't care what it costs. I need that birth certificate. <laughs> And you and usually those decisions are made at two in the morning and you're like, I don't care. Just give me the information. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, every, I've been there. been there. There's free <laughs> trial, seven day free trial on newspapers.com. You know, if, if you can do that seven day free trial or 30 day free trial, get in, get out with your information and shut it down and move on. Uh, by far, ancestry.com, I do love them for a lot of reasons. Um, and I also have criticism. Criticisms of them, but for forty bucks a month, you can get in there and you get access to a lot of documents, not just like so and so's names, but the actual document that you can look at, you can print off, you can have, and that's a heck of a deal. So if and you the can,
0: tree remains yours,
1: the tree remains As yours. Opposed- even, yeah, so even when you close your membership down, it's still online, it's still accessible, it doesn't disappear so when we talk about permanence of this work that people spend years on and they don't want it lost yeah you can print it off that's fine or you can just have it online in a cloud somewhere and the the ancestry and the family search folks they're not letting go of that information these are these are the squirrels they take all that info and they never let it go so right. even if a person passes on or they they stop their account and never touch it again the information is there and other cousins and relatives can get to it it, it exists right? right so you can you can do it one of two ways but as far as starting with, a, I mean, you could start a free trial with Ancestry and see if you like it, see where you're going. Almost all of them are start a free trial. Oh, and then, um, oh, there's app, no, it's not AppGen. There's a free, I did it and it was so great, uh, but it was mostly DNA, which is something else. Oh, RootsWeb. RootsWeb does a free conference every year. They're they're great. Um, and RootsTech. Uh, But that one kind of leans a little bit more on um, genetic genealogy, which really is where we're headed. Um, Genealogy itself, just the paperwork is is really gonna be a thing of the past where it now needs to be married with DNA. So we're moving in that direction.
0: You And you brought, uh, I'm glad you brought up, uh, Nicole, I'm bright, glad you brought up DNA because I personally have done uh, the DNA test and I know that you probably have to. It's a, a, there's some people that are very, you know, they like in everything, there's some people out there that say, oh, be careful because, you know, it'll reveal. And they'll cite these times where there's been a conviction of someone because of the DNA. And, I, okay, I'll go ahead and say, it. maybe you shouldn't do it if you got a bunch of criminals in your family. Uh, <laughs> but, but. It is so rewarding to meet people that are actually verifiably your relatives that you don't know and to contact them. And I haven't had a bad experience yet. I email them and say, Hey, where is it? And it's just is like, you've got instant pen pals, folks, and you get this through the DNA and it's amazing breakthroughs you will find when you start contacting these people because they have some of the missing links you're looking for and vice versa, you know, things that they don't know. And this is just is what's so fascinating. One thing before, uh, because we're getting short on time. One of the things I wanted to mention also is, um, is if you want to just dabble in it for just a little bit and check it out to spur your interest in genealogy, is find a grave uh find a grave is kind of emerging as
1: i'm so glad you mentioned them of course yes find a grave they're amazing i love those guys they're really
0: becoming kind of their own they didn't start off really as a genealogist research or resource but people are adding in to where sometimes they are very good information in there
1: Oh, I I've, I've found some real gems. I can't believe I forgot them. Yes. And there's volunteers that go around. Um, I think we've got quite a few here in this lower Snoqualmie Valley that photograph graves and then sometimes they add things like the obituary obituaries are gold. Uh, they'll add sometimes like a family story and they can link to other relatives. So I find a grave. Oh, what a great resource! Yes, love. And I'm that.
0: one of those volunteers uh, for the Kennewick area, and I just want to publicly say I apologize to everybody for that backlog of work. I have not been out <laughs> taking pictures lately. I will get to it soon, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's all. But right.
0: I but I tend to dabble in graveyards from uh, from. Uh, the west goes to uh, uh, way over here to Kennewick, and so uh, there's a lot to cover, and there's a lot of neat resources out there. Um, once again, documentation is really so important. Take it slow, and when you find things, and you're able to find this information, if you even if you get it from another tree, just try to f- do that extra step and have that verified by something other than. Another researcher, correct?
1: Yeah, it I, everything is suspect until you see the document. Everything, and you, yeah, you can find so and so's name on a grave. Okay, that's great. It's it's a common name though, right? A common first name and a common surname, even though they're there and they're about the same age, that could be wrong too. So get your first citation get, or your first source. Maybe get your second source. Maybe verify it again. It everything just be suspicious. As you want to share. Whoa.
0: Nicole, just real uh, quickly, uh, there was a William and Susanna Davidson, mm-hmm. William and Susanna, and a researcher sometime, and I believe this research is now passed on uh, some time ago, correct, constructed a tree for the Davidsons that was really in-depth, very concise, but a lot of it hinged on this William Savannah. They went on to a census, and then when the census started being made available online, they found a William and a Susanna in Pennsylvania well obviously they must have moved to ohio where this other one's occurred so it has to be the same one because how many william and savannah davidson's can there be in 1860 i think people got this misconception that there was practically nobody here back then yeah and they made that connection and everybody considered that tree to be solid information until it was proved to be false and the unfortunate thing about family trees is sometimes with well, that one missing link throws the entire thing out and mm-hmm. what proved that to be incorrect was DNA. Mm-hmm. DNA is what actually proved that to be incorrect at tree. And that was kind of devastating to all of us involved. But uh, so documentation is a key. Well, documentation
1: yeah. and suspicion.
0: <laughs> well nicole believe it or not we've already ran uh, down to the end of the program i can't believe it this has gone so fast maybe yeah. we can convince you to come back and do a second episode oh sometime. i'd love
1: to yeah let's do this, this one. is let's
0: i find this so fascinating and i think that a lot of people a lot of our listeners will too so Folks, until uh, next week, when we continue to uh, explore the uh, history of the fascinating place we call the Soquambe Valley from Monroe to North Bend, please uh, thank you for uh, listening today and please tune in next week. Thank you.